Chapter 2 of Pictures of Jewish Home Life Fifty Years Ago. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Pictures of Jewish Home Life Fifty Years Ago by Hannah Traeger. Chapter 2 The Welcome. On the following Friday, after the Sabbath evening meal, the boys asked their father to read them another letter from his cousin in Jerusalem. He was pleased at their eagerness, and, while upstairs getting the letter, some of the boys' friends came in and settled comfortably down, for all were eager to hear the letter read. Mr. Jacob said, "'This time I will read a letter from your cousin Dora to my sister, which will certainly interest you, my dear,' turning to his daughter, "'but at the same time I think it will interest you all. My dear Millie, Isaac must have written to Jacob all about our arrival, so I will begin by giving you some idea of our life here and my impressions. The people, who so kindly asked us to stay with them till father finds a dwelling, have a few rooms in a house, which has a marble-paved courtyard. Six other families also have two or three rooms each. All the work is done in the courtyard, even the cooking, for each family uses tiny stoves made of mud, into which they put a little lighted charcoal, and cook just outside or near their own doors, for there are no kitchens or fireplaces in any of the rooms, and thus we see what each family cooks. The Sephardim, Jews who have lived here for years, eat their meals in the courtyard. They lay a mat on the marble tiles, on which they place a small low table, and they sit on the mat and eat. Two Sephardim families have rooms in the house, and they speak Arabic and Spanish, and their ways of living are more like those of the Turks, just as the Jews in England live more like the English. Everyone seems most interested in us. Many people have come to visit us to see the new arrivals. The evening of the day on which we arrived was Friday. There was a clear moonlight such as you would not often see in England, and it was very warm, too, so we and our visitors sat in the courtyard. All eagerly asked us many questions till quite late, and thus the evening passed very quickly and pleasantly. After prayers on Sabbath, some people sent a bottle of wine and a most delicious pudding, which is made nowhere but in Jerusalem. It tastes like milk and honey, with other tasty things mixed up in it. Others sent a lovely sponge-cake, coated with different colored sugar-icing. Many other good things were also given to us, and they lasted us for nearly a month. Later in the day the people who sent the eatables paid us visits, and ate some of the good things. It is rather a nice custom, I think, for new arrivals to have no bother to prepare food for their visitors, as it gives them time to enjoy their company. What a lot of talking there was! The men discussed several things with father, while the women wanted to know many things about England which mother could tell them. The boys and girls could not take their eyes off our clothes, so much did they admire them. It was quite amusing, the funny questions they asked us about them. They all promised to help us look for a dwelling, and they kept their promise. I can tell you it was a great help and comfort to us that they did, for I don't know what would have become of us out here, away from our old friends, where the ways of living are so different from what we have been used to. Whether it will always be so or not, of course I can't say. Time alone will show. Very soon afterwards they found us a vacant dwelling, which father was very thankful to get, and in my next letter I will tell you something of our life after we had moved in, but I must tell you more of what happened when we were staying with our kind host. The first afternoon one of our visitors insisted on our going to her home, so when I and our youngsters arrived we were taken to a room and in it was a table covered with lovely apricots, and delicious-looking pastries and jams, also wine which only cost three pence a bottle, so it is very nearly as cheap as buying water. When they handed us some of the good things, we naturally took them and ate them. 
Suddenly I saw our host's children move away from us, saying, She is a shiksa, and he is a shockets, and they kept on whispering and pointing to us. I could not think what we had done to make them act in such a way, and so asked their mother. She answered, They are surprised to see you eating without making a bracha, a blessing, for our children, unless they first make a bracha, never taste anything. You know, dear Milly, that though we two were taught to do as they hear, yet the hurry and scurry of going to school and the busy life in London have made us forget to practice these religious laws. We, however, felt very uncomfortable and ashamed of ourselves, and made up our minds to get into the habit of doing it, that is, to remember to thank our Creator for every blessing we receive, including food, so that it should become a matter of course. Now I must tell you about our water supply, for the scarcity of water struck us very much coming from London, for here every drop is precious and is used for several things, as every drop has to be bought, and money amongst our Jerusalem brethren is very scarce. In fact, it often costs more than the wine of the country. A water-carrier brings us up every morning a skin-bag of water. It is made of skins sewn together with a small outlet at the top. For it we pay two pence, which is equal to more than a shilling in London. The water that he brings he pours into a large earthen jar which keeps it cool, and it is attached over the mouth of a jar a sieve which is made of thick unbleached calico. If this were not done, hundreds of little red worms would get into the jar, because the water in Palestine is full of them. A law was made by the Jews that to drink water that had not been passed through a sieve was a sin, and, as little children are taught not to commit any sin, they do not drink any water that has not been passed through a sieve. Owing to this, many illnesses are prevented among the Jews that are rampant among the Arabs and others. The Jews are also very careful about their water for ordinary use, yet they really employ it more plentifully than we do in London, when used in connection with laws of health, as laid down in the Shulchan Aruch, a book of laws. For example, as soon as you step out of your bed, you pour water over your hands, wash your face, gargle your throat, and rub your teeth with a clean finger and rinse your mouth. No one would think of moving out of the room without doing this. I know that among the very orthodox Jews in London they do the same thing, but the average Jew does not do it, and here it is done by everyone. Even a baby is taught to do it the same way. Later in the day, or when the men go to synagogue, and we have finished with our household duties, we have the regular soap and water wash. Then again, every time we have a meal we have to wash our hands and repeat a blessing, and, as this is done at various other times in a large family, it takes a good deal of water, but as it is used for cleaning purposes we need not stint ourselves. This law is especially valuable here, for it is very hot, and if we were not very clean and especially careful about cleansing our eyes and mouths and throat, we should run the risk of catching a great many diseases which are quite common in the Holy Land at present. I remarked to some women that it surprised me how much water was used for personal washing considering how scarce it was, but they told me that they were as careful with every drop of water as they were with food, none was wasted. Where the religious laws commanded the use of water for personal washing and cleansing they did not grudge it, for was not the body of man the temple where the Holy Spirit of God dwelt? God's Spirit is in each one of us, and therefore we must do our best to keep our bodies clean for the presence of our heavenly King just as carefully as we should keep a house or palace clean in which our earthly king dwelt, more carefully indeed. What would courtiers around an earthly king say if they saw us take our food in the presence of the king and praise him with dirty hands? They save water in many ways that are rather amusing to a stranger until he gets to know the reason for it. For instance, they do not, at meals, use different plates on the Sabbath, when they have a few courses. 
They eat the fish on one side of the plate, and then they wipe it and turn the plate over, and have soup and meat on the deeper side, thus saving the washing of many plates. In my next letter I will write you all my tribulations and struggles in getting used to the new life when we moved into our own house. My great comfort is that we have got to know an American family, and they have been so kind to us and so cheery that it has made us feel a bit brighter, and Mother says that in time we shall get used to our new life, but I doubt it after living in London. When Mr. Jacob had finished reading the letter, the young folks began talking, the older ones listening and giving a smile now and then. One said, "'I should not like to be there.' "'Neither should I,' said another girl. "'It must be awful after London.' "'The only thing that I like about the life,' said the former, "'is the hospitality and the friendliness that they show to one another, and the jolly good time that they give to people who are utter strangers to them. We don't do that here. We seem cold and unfriendly.' End of chapter 2